Well, good morning. Great to be with you this morning. If you have a Bible, please join me in finding in yours Revelation chapter 17, the 17th chapter in the book of the Revelation. If you were with us last week, you may recall I mentioned chapter 17, like so many chapters before it, is filled with symbolism. The symbolism in the Revelation does not require our imagination. Rather, it requires inspiration. And what I mean by that is the inspired word of God. Scripture interprets scripture. And if we look at the symbols and we tie it to God's word, I think it becomes more clear as to what these symbols are communicating to us. For example, look at verse 1. And we read, then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. The seven bowls, what what do they symbolize? Well, they symbolize the wrath of God. Revelation 16 and 1, go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. We also know from last week's lesson, the harlot in verse 1 is a symbol for false religion. Last week, I gave us many examples from the Older Testament and one from the Newer Testament, case in point, the church at Thyatira. Revelation 2 and 20, but I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray, so they commit acts of immorality, and eat things sacrificed to idols. False teaching, false religion entered the church at Thyatira, and the woman's name is Jezebel. 2 Kings 9 and 30, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her eyes and adorned her head and looked out the window. Jezebel of the Older Testament was inextricably linked to false religion, and she led Israel down the wrong path, religiously speaking. And the same is true here in the church at Thyatira. She was a false prophetess, and and all false prophets bring false religions. And we know something else, who these many waters symbolize in verse 1. Notice verse 15, And he said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And I had pointed out that the word harlot in verse 1 and 15 are both in the singular. So if we place these three symbols alongside one another, uh, they point us to the future when God pours out his wrath on a one-world false religion. That was last week's lesson. This morning we have more symbolism to uncover. Notice verse 2. Verse 2, with whom... The kings of the earth committed acts of immorality, and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. It's very important that we understand the angel is not describing people who are physically drunk with literal wine, committing literal sexual acts of immorality with a literal prostitute. Instead, we have a harlot, false religion, luring and seducing all the kings of the world to be intoxicated with this false religion, worshiping Antichrist instead of Christ. Do you know how to 
Do you know how you get countries to follow Antichrist? Begin with their kings, their leaders, their presidents, if you will. Then what? We'll look again at the verse. Those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. They begin with the leaders. What do the leaders do? They affect their people. And then what happens? Well, we have the entire world intoxicated, being lured and seduced by this false religion. Now, the Older Testament describes Israel's spiritual immorality in very similar symbolic terms. For example, in Ezekiel 16 and 11 are the words, I adorned you. Notice again, Revelation 17 and 4, the woman was adorned. In Ezekiel 16 are the words, I adorn you with ornaments, put bracelets on your hands and a necklace around your neck. I also put a ring in your nostril, earrings in your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver, and your clothes was of fine linen, silk, and embroidered cloth. Notice there is much imagery, symbolic imagery of jewelry and clothing. Well, look at Revelation 17.4 in its entirety. The woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and, and pearls, jewelry. John sees this harlot clothed a certain way, dressed a certain way with fine jewelry. Ever wonder why prostitutes dress the way they do? Well, the answer to that question is the rest of our lesson. Listen carefully for our answer, again, from Ezekiel 16, verses 24 through 26, where we see that Israel is adorned with certain jewelry and, 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 and certain clothing. And we read that you built yourself a shrine and made yourself a high place in every square. Built yourself a shrine. Shrines are sacred buildings for religious activity. That you built yourself a shrine, you built yourself a high place at the top of every street and made your beauty abominable. Now watch. And you spread your legs to every passerby to multiply your harlotry. You also played the harlot with the Egyptians, your lustful neighbors, and multiplied your harlotry to make me angry. Israel, like a harlot, lured the Egyptians, their lustful neighbors. Israel, religiously speaking, was to keep separate from the world. They were not to figure out ways to lure the world into the temple or any religious place of worship to join her in religious activities. Don't miss that. Miss what? Neither should the church. Look, the church may not be guilty of how they dress and find jewelry, but could it be possible that the church is guilty of trying to lure and seduce people to come and join them through things that are appealing to the world? The words are of Solomon are so profound at this point in our lesson. Listen, Proverbs 7, and behold, a woman comes to meet him, dressed as a harlot and cunning of heart. With her many persuasions, she entices him. Suddenly he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter. He does not know that it will cost him his life. 
Now, therefore, my sons, listen to me and pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many are the victims she has cast down, and numerous are all her slain. Her house is the way of Sheol, descending to the chambers of death. I would argue Solomon's message must become the church's message to itself. What message? Well, I think we all know that Jesus was a fisher of men. Now look, he was a carpenter by trade, but Jesus fished for men to save their souls. Sometimes I think we forget the devil is a fisherman to destroy their souls. And what better way to do so than to infiltrate the church and cause the church to become like a harlot, looking to seduce and lure. 2 Corinthians 11, 13, and 15, these people are false prophets. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I am not surprised even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Righteousness In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. The church today has begun to apostatize, and you have churches that are in disguise. They say some of the things we say. They may even do some of the things we do. But they are truly looking to lure the world into their midst. No different than a harlot looks to lure their victim. I want us to see that this woman is no ordinary harlot. Look at verse 5 for a moment. Revelation 17 and 5, and on her forehead a name was written, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. This harlot is the mother of harlots. The world, listen, the world has always been filled with false religion. But Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, listen, is their mother, symbolically speaking, right? But we're not talking about literal offspring. Israel is the nation most often mentioned in the Bible. But do you know which nation is mentioned second? Babylon. Did you know Babylon existed before Israel? Genesis 10, 8 through 10, now Cush became the father of Nimrod. He became a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. I bring those verses to your attention because Nimrod's name, listen, means let us revolt or rebel. Could there be any better way to describe false religion? False religion is a revolt and rebel and, and, and rebellion against true religion. The mother of harlots is a false religion with one aim, to revolt and rebel against God. Genesis 11 and 4, the very next chapter, we read these words. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower, with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves. All false religion has two things in common. Number one, they try to get to heaven their own way. 
And number two, they want their name to be lifted high. Remember, the false trinity with their false religion want to be worshipped in the revelation. They want to make their name great. The word Babel, incidentally, means confused. God confused the language of humanity, and, and this confusion resulted in their ceasing to finish and build this tower to the heavens, which, incidentally, they could never have done, no matter how long and how hard they tried. Now, even though the Tower of Babel was not completed, what was built still stood. What was accomplished was a monument to human endeavor. The ziggurats of Babylon and the pyramids of Egypt would become very famous monuments. Ziggurats, by the way, are pyramid-like temples with many, many steps. Why, why many steps? Well, remember, the tower was built very high to reach the heavens. And why? So they could make a name for themselves. Please don't miss that. All false religion have one thing in common. Many, many man-made steps to follow if you want to get to heaven. And they all have a name. For example, take the Sears Tower. It was named after a man. It was then changed to the Willis Tower, another man's name. The John Hancock Building, another name. The world's tallest building, the Burj Dubai, is named after the president of Abu Dhabi. False religions, like the Greeks, believed their gods lived on Mount Olympus, a very high mountain. Tall buildings with names, mountaintops very high. Man-made structures had religious significance in the days of Paul the Apostle. And Paul demolished every one of them. Paul the Apostle demolished all of these tall buildings and temples built high to reach their gods when he declared in Acts 17, oh, I love this, that God is not very far from us. Do you know why Paul could say that? Here comes true religion. Man cannot go to heaven. Heaven must come down to man. True religion only, one, only knows one name that is great. Acts 4 and 12, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Philippians 3, 9 through 11, for this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God bridged the gap. God bridged the gap by telling us to build something that reaches him? No, he, he bridged the gap by sending his son, and heaven came down to earth. Babylon, in Genesis 10, wanted to make their name great in Genesis 11. Listen to what God did in Genesis 12. <clears throat> Genesis 12, 2 and 3, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. Listen, and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God did not make Babylon's name great. God made Israel, and he made her name great. Why? 
because through Israel, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Out of Israel and only Israel comes greatness. Genesis, yeah, Galatians 3, 8 and 9, the scripture foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying all the nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. The believer in whom? Galatians 3 and 16. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, as referring to many, but rather to one, and to your seed, that is Christ. That is the name that is great, Jesus, the Messiah. Do you know what makes the nation of Israel great? Not all of her descendants, not Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and Joseph, and Daniel. No, no. What makes Israel great is Jesus, the Messiah, who came from Israel, not Babylon. A one-world religion described as a harlot. Let us not forget, Jesus says in Matthew 24 that during the tribulation, there will be false Christs and false prophets. He does not say false Buddhas, but false Christs. You see, this one world religion with all their false prophets will be preaching Christ. Only the one they preach is false. Look, we, we have already had lessons from the Revelation where the false trinity imitate the true trinity. That the Antichrist does not choose the temple in India, but Jerusalem. The devil is a fisher of men. He does not care that Christ is preached so long as he is a false Christ, so long as it produces a false religion, so long as it produces his steps to heaven. These people are false apostles, deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. False religion is described as a harlot. And we now know the harlot, false religion, is a very alluring, seducing, charming, visually appealing prostitute. As we wind down our thoughts, I thought I would give us some of the harlots of our day, which I believe will always be the harlots of every other day. The harlots of false religion that lure and seduce people into a false religion. Harlot number one, where it all began, the mother of harlots, Babylon, the Tower of Babel. Work your way to heaven. That's what the Tower of Babel was all about. Imagine how much work would have to go into building all the steps that lead to heaven. Think of all false religion and all their man-made steps to get to heaven. And, and you know what you discover? They add more and more steps. True religion says, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. Do you know what religious accomplishment allows the religious person to do? Boast in their works. Boast in every step they take. Harlot number two, a prosperity gospel. This is one of the most luring harlots ever devised. They seduce people 
They seduce people's ears with a salvation that promises wealth, health, and prosperity. True religion? Jesus said, Mark 16, 24 through 26, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. But what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Being a Christian is not easy. Which brings me to harlot number three, easy believism. Easy believism is very alluring, very seducing. You mean I can go to heaven and all I have to do is believe? True religion says Mark 3 and 2 repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Mark 3 and 8 interprets repentance. Mark 3 and 8 therefore bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Luke 5, 31 and 32, Jesus answered and said to them, It is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. When sinners repent, they bear fruit in keeping with repentance. True salvation is not a believe-only gospel. It's a believe-and-behave gospel. I remember someone at a church I recently pastored, when they heard me talking, the talk that I'm having with you this morning, they said, Pastor Campo seems to preach saved by works. No, I preach grace works. I preach grace has power. I preach for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation, Romans 1 and 16. But look, the gospel does not have power if it cannot turn a harlot into someone who lives like a virgin or a drunk into someone who is sober for the rest of their life. Harlot number four, Jesus Christ must be central. For the true prophet, Christ is at the center. For the false teacher, Jesus is at the margins. The Bible says he is to have first place in everything. Look, men talk a lot in the pulpit, but who do they talk a lot about? When you leave, do you leave hearing more about and then go ahead and fill in the blank? Maybe them. Maybe their accomplishments. Maybe you. Maybe they talk a lot about you. In other words, the pulpit has become a self-centered pulpit. Or do you leave with the sense this man thinks Jesus Christ is the be-all, end-all? He is everything. He is worthy of all glory. We boast in him. 2 Peter 2, 1 and 2, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. Many, listen, will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. Do you, do you see what happens? People follow them. But did you notice Peter uses the word secretly? It's rare for someone in a church to just flat out openly deny Jesus. False prophets are in disguise. It's not that false prophets never utter his name. It's that he is not high and lifted up in their preaching. And I think I know why. Harlot number five. The true preacher appeals to Scripture. 
Second Peter 1 and 19, we have the word of the prophets made more certain. Now listen, and you will do well to pay attention to it. So the true teacher is always asking, what has God said in his word? The false teacher is always asking, what do people want to hear? Second Timothy 4, 3 through 4, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Beloved, those two verses is a marriage made in hell. You have people who want to hear what they want to hear, and they find men who will tell them nothing but. Satan is a master fisherman, and the world is biting. And our mission is to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us, God. Well, we come to the conclusion of our time together we want, where we want to make sure there is an opportunity for someone to be depopulated out of hell, to have heaven be their eternal home. For someone to repent and believe the gospel requires explanation. The word repentance means to change your mind, but as we've already alluded, it's not just a change of mind in what you believe. And by the way, what do you need to believe? Well, you need to believe the truth about Jesus. Jesus would frequently ask, who do you say that I am? Jesus is the eternal son of God, born in a virgin's womb, led a sinless life, died on a tree, rose again from the third day, and he's coming again. Jesus is God in human flesh. We must change what we believe. We must change what we believe about how we're saved. I can't save myself. Grace saves. I can't save myself. Why can't I save myself? Why can't I be religiously good enough to save myself? Well, here's why. James says if you keep the whole law, 613 laws, if you keep the whole law and you stumble in one point, you're guilty of all. This is why Jesus said be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. You see, the message of the gospel is perfection. And that draws man to need a savior. See, there are some religions that preach you can save yourself. The one true religion preaches you need a savior. Jesus is your only savior. And when this gospel, with all its power, radically, dramatically, and eternally saves you, it saves you from the inside out. The Spirit of God comes to live within you. And the fruit of the Spirit bears fruit, fruit in keeping with repentance, will result in a transformed life that, that does not change immediately or instantaneously or all at once. But make no bones about it, you will change if you're truly born again. Well, I trust and pray God's word blessed you today. It always blesses me, and I, I'm always chomping at the bit to talk a little more each Sunday in the book of the Revelation. Until next Sunday.